If you have your Bible with you, turn with me to First uh, Peter uh, chapter 1, uh, just for a few uh, verses this morning, and then we'll maybe just spend a wee moment of prayer uh, after that. First Peter, we've just been uh, enjoying this during the week, and feel that the Lord has laid on our hearts just to bring uh, to you this morning. First Peter chapter 1, and just commencing there at verse 18, please. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who fairly was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times. For you who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. And we'll ask the Lord to bless his word to our hearts. Just bow with me just for a moment in prayer, please. Father, we just come again uh, before thee in attitude of prayer. And we thank thee for these hymns that we've been singing and how they inspire our hearts to give all of the glory to thee, glory to his name. And Father, we thank Thee for those of Thy people that are gathered in this meeting this morning, and we cry that indeed that our hearts will be struck with an anthem of praise and worship for all that Thou hast done for us. We're glad to be saved this morning. We're glad that we're not the people that we used to be. We're glad for the day when we can look back on our lives, when we plunge beneath that fountain of blood, and Lord, we can say like the hemorrhoider of old, that we're whiter than the snow. And so we cry this morning for Your help. We pray for those in the meeting that are discouraged and those that are heavy and weary and cold. We pray that thou indeed will speak into our hearts and above all that we'll be conscious of the presence of our God in the midst of this meeting this morning. We come against the enemy and every demon of hell and every influence that would seek to divert our attention and we bind them in the name of Jesus. And so we cry that there'll be liberty in this house this morning. We pray for a release of thy power. We thank you, Lord, that you haven't diminished in any of your power. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I come before thee afresh this morning, asking for that endowment from above, that anointing oil that comes from thee alone. And pray, Lord, that you'll fill me from the very crown of my head to the sole of my foot. That indeed, Lord, that we'll speak words that will be glorifying to thee. Let us not say anything this morning that would bring dishonor to thy name. And Father, indeed, that we'll know that thou hast been here and ministered to all of our hearts. We ask it in the lovely, precious, and worthy name of thy Son. Amen. Amen. I want to share with you this morning a subject that is the, the greatest subject that any man could ever speak about. I would go as far as saying this this morning, there's not another preacher in the world could preach a greater subject than what I am going to share with you this morning. It's a theme that's loved uh, by us all. Those of us that are saved, we love it. It's a theme that's near to the heart of God and it's dear to the people of God. You know, it's been the theme of our song since we've been saved. It's the reason that we are saved. And without it, no one can be saved. It's the precious, precious blood. You know, the theme of the blood is a theme that runs right from Genesis right to Revelation. You'll find that scarlet thread runs right through the Word of God. I was interested during the week to find out that there's more references to the blood of Christ in the New Testament than there is 
to the love of God. Of course, when the Lord Jesus shed his blood, it was a demonstration of the love of God, the precious, precious blood. Now, when we come to this subject this morning for a few moments, we're not just only talking about the precious blood, and it was precious blood that flowed through the veins of the Savior, but we're also referring to the laying down that willingly sacrificial death of the Savior on Calvary. You know, he went willingly. He went submissively. You read Isaiah 53 and it'll tell you he went quietly. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. The innocent took the place of the guilty. The Savior took the place of the sinner. You'll remember in John chapter 10, he could stare into the eyes of the Pharisees and he says, I lay down my life. No man taketh it from me. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. You'll remember he could say in John chapter 15, he said there, greater love hath no man than this than a man who laid down his life for his friend. John takes that up in his epistle, John 1, 3, 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. All I can say this morning is thank God for the precious, precious blood. The blood. And this morning, I trust that you'll be encouraged as much as I have. Let me say something to you this morning about why the Lord Jesus shed his blood. You remember Paul, whenever he was writing his letter to Corinthians, he says there in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture. I was meditating on that lovely verse, and we've heard it so many times, but God commendeth his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's a mighty verse. To think that while we were still rebels and far, far, far away from God, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you know a little bit about sin? You know the cause of sin was disobedience, Adam and Eve in the garden. It was there when they took of the forbidden fruit and sin entered into the human race and every man, woman, boy and girl, we have all been infected with sin. That's the cause of sin. You'll find a little bit about the curse of sin. Whenever Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, you'll remember how they were driven out. There was separation between God and man. Separated. That union, that fellowship with God was broken. The prophet Isaiah takes that great text and he says it's your sins and your iniquities that have separated between you and your God. I tell you, that's the cause. There's the curse. But thank God there's a cure. Praise God for the cure. The cure is the blood. The precious, precious blood of Christ. I tell you, sin had to be punished. The wrath of God had to be satisfied. The claims of justice had to be met. And every single one of them were satisfied in the precious shedding of the blood of Christ. We live in a day when men hate the truth 
of the blood. You stand in the open air someday, preach about the miracles and they'll stand. Preach about him walking on the water and raising the dead, feeding the 5,000 men will listen. But the moment you mention the blood, you'll see them shake their head. I was doing an open air in Cookstown last Saturday, and there's a man rolled down his window just when we were speaking about the precious blood. You know what he shouted out? Foolishness. I tell you, you know what Paul said? That the preaching of the cross is foolishness. To them that perish, but unto us that are saved, thank God it is the power of God unto salvation. The precious blood. I tell you, the modernists hate it. The ecumenists hate it. The liberalists hate it. But I tell you this morning, those of us that are saved and have plunged beneath that fountain filled with blood, where we love it this morning, or we ought to. We love it. I heard a story recently, back in the middle of the 1800s, there was a conference in the city of Chicago. Hundreds of people, indeed thousands, gathered into a hall to hear the ministry of the word. A man stood behind the sacred desk and he began to preach. And it wasn't too long until his sermon that men and women in that congregation got the thrust of his message. He was belittling the blood. He was making little of the blood. There was an old woman in that meeting over 90 years of age. As he was still preaching, she stood to her feet. With her weakness, she stood. And with her broken voice, she began to sing, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. The second chorus, there was almost a hundred people stood with her. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Whenever they came to the third verse, there was almost over 1,500 people stood to their feet. Dear dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. Thank God for the blood. The only reason that any one of us are here this morning, the only only reason that we're here is because of the precious, precious blood. Let me say something about it. I'm going to say something about the purpose of the blood. The purpose. You know, dear friend, in the meeting this morning, there's no other way that man can be reconciled to God except through the blood. Works can't do it. Money can't do it. Water can't do it. Religion can't do it. We can't do it. But what we can't, what money can't, what work can't, what religion can't, the blood of Christ can. I thank God for that. It's the blood. You remember the writer to the Hebrews, he said this, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. You'll find that the Lord told him Moses away back in Leviticus 17, it's the blood that maketh the atonement for the soul. The blood. I tell you, dear friends, this morning in our meeting, millions are depending on what they can do. Millions are depending on what Mary did. Millions are depending on what Buddha did or Muhammad did. But thank God those of us that are saved, we're depending on what the Savior did on Calvary, the precious Precious blood. That word atonement is, you could break it down into three words. It's the word to be at one with God. To be at one. To be in harmony with God. I know of no greater thing that a man or woman can be at one with God. One day we were born into this sin, born in sin and shape and iniquity, far away from Him. 
And yet we're brought nigh by the blood of Christ, being at one with God. You tell me what's greater than that. Tell me what's greater than a man that can get up in the morning and put his feet in the ground and say, thank God, I'm at one with him because of what Christ has done in Calvary. There's nothing greater. Nothing greater. You remember in Genesis chapter 3, whenever Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, whenever they were thrust out, it says that the Lord, he made for them coats of skin and he clothed them. Whenever Adam and Eve sinned, there was an animal that had to die. The blood had to be shed before they could be covered. I tell you, dear friends, this morning, it was all pointing forward to a greater one. You remember the two brothers. I tell you, they were brought up in the same home together. They learned the same truths together. Cain and Abel, they came before the Lord. Cain brought the first, the, the fruit of the ground. Abel brought the firstlings of his flock. Cain was rejected. Abel was accepted. Cain had no blood. Abel had the blood. I tell you this morning, let me ask you a wee question in the meeting. Have you got the blood? You got it? For without it, there's no forgiveness of sin. Without it, there's no atonement for the soul. You could have the suit. You could have all the dressings. You could learn the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and die and go to hell if you haven't got the blood. You'll remember the course goes like this. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Thank God. The precious, precious blood of Christ. Not only is there the purpose, and the purpose is to satisfy the claims of justice and to satisfy a holy God, but there's the preview of the blood. Way back in the Old Testament, you'll remember in Exodus, whenever the children of Israel were in bondage and slavery and in misery, they were there and they were under the taskmasters of the Egyptians. God raised up a man. God raised up a man by the name of Moses. He went into Egypt with the rod and the staff, but Moses couldn't deliver the people. Then God sent the plagues, but the plagues couldn't deliver the people. But there was one thing that did. You know what it was? The blood. The blood. You remember in Exodus chapter 12, the Lord told Moses to tell the people on the first month, on the tenth day, to take a lamb without blemish, to separate it for four days. And on the fourteenth day of the month at even, they were to kill the lamb. Precious. And the blood was to be poured into a basin. And they were to get hyssop and dip the hyssop into the blood and to strike it upon the lintel. The first had to be on the lintel. It first of all was towards God. I tell you, dear friend, this morning, whenever the Lord Jesus was dying on the cross and he shed his blood, not only was it for us, but primarily it was for God was for God. Then they went into their home and the death angel was coming. Judgment was coming. I can hear a father and a son in that home. And the son says to his father, says, Dad, the death angel's coming, he is. Judgment's coming, it is. Dad, what are we depending on? What are we relying on? I can see the father pointing into the basin and says, Son, it's the blood. We're depending on nothing but the blood. I was thinking of the poet whenever they penned 
My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Thank God I dare not trust the sweetest fame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Let me ask you a wee question this morning in the lifeboat. Have you got the blood? If the death angel was to come now, would you be under the blood? Are you depending on a profession? that not not work. It'll need to be the blood. It'll need to be the precious, precious, precious blood. Then, of course, you'll remember in the Day of Atonement, whenever the high priest was going into the Holy of Holies, in where the presence of God dwelt between the cherubims, it says that he went in with the blood. And he went in and he dipped it on his finger and sprinkled it upon the mercy seat to satisfy the claims of God. There had to be the shedding, the shedding of blood, all pointing forward to a greater lamb, all pointing forward to the Lamb of God. You remember John standing at the banks of the Jordan. The Pharisees were there. The religious leaders of the day were there. And John stood and he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. I tell you, thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. Not only do you see the purpose of the blood, it's to reconcile God and man. It's to meet the claims of justice and satisfy the wrath of God. Not only do you see the preview of the blood, you'll see it in the Old Testament, many types and pictures. But I'll tell you, friends, you'll see the preciousness of the blood. We read in First Peter, For as ye know that ye are not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from your feigned conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of a lamb without blemish and without spot. I was asking myself the question, why is it precious? Did you ever ask that? Why was his blood precious? I'll give you a few reasons. It was precious blood because it was special blood. Special. That word there in 1 Peter 1 and 18 is the word unique. Unique. Stuart brings with him every Sunday a French translation of the Scripture. If John, Stuart was to turn to John 3 and verse 16, he would find that God so loved the world that he gave his unique son. He knew the Lord Jesus was unique. There was never a man that walked the broad acres of this world like him. He was unique in his birth. He was unique in his life. He was unique in his death. Special. Precious, very rare, special blood. I'll tell you something else about the blood of the Lord Jesus. It was sinless blood, sinless. It says here in Peter that it was the blood of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Every single one of us in this meeting this morning, we have our failures and inconsistencies. We have our sin and our shortcoming. But you see, whenever the lowly Nazarene walked this old sin-cursed world, he was without blemish. And thank God he was without spot. I was asking myself during the week, who found fault with him? Who found fault with the Son of God whenever he lived among men? Did the temple police? No, they didn't. Remember they went to arrest him. You know what they said? 
Never man spake like this man. Did the men and women of Israel find fault with him? No, did they didn't. It says in the last verse of Mark 8, it says, He doeth all things well. You'll remember there's a day when he stood regal before Pilate, the great cross examiner of Rome, and four times in the Gospels, four times, Pilate says, I find no fault in this man. What about Judas? Judas who lived with him and ate with him and slept with him for three and a half years. Whenever he had betrayed the Son of God, he came into the temple again with his thirty pieces of silver. And he says, I have sinned in that I have betrayed innocent blood. I tell you, he was sinless. He was the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, faultless, flawless, perfection from the crown of his head to the sole of his foot. It's precious. Not only is the blood of Christ special blood and sinless blood, I'll tell you something else. It was shed blood. Shed blood. It wasn't enough for the Lord Jesus just to come to planet earth. It wasn't enough that he did the miracles and preached the sermons and healed the lepers and raised the dead and fed the multitude. That wasn't enough. It took the shedding of his blood to save us from our sin. You know, you'll find four times in the life of the Lord whenever men saw his blood. You'll remember at eight days of age, whenever he is eight days old, Mary and Joseph brought him into the temple. You'll read about it in Luke 2. And it was there he came to be circumcised. You all know what that means. And for that first day, it would have been the first time when men saw the blood, the precious blood. But that wasn't enough. You remember again, whenever he was in the garden, Matthew Matthew 26, whenever he went a little further, it says that he threw himself on the ground and he was in agony and he prayed and as it were, he sweat great drops of blood. Precious blood. Dropping to the ground. Then whenever they scourged him in Pilate's common hall, men would have gazed upon the blood. But it wasn't enough. A drop wasn't enough. He had to shed his blood. Whenever a man committed a sin in the Old Testament, he had to bring a lamb into the tabernacle. He would bring it in and he would bring it to the priest and the lamb would be slain. And the Lord said that you shall pour out all the blood. All the blood. You'll know whenever all of the blood is shed, the life is given. I tell you, dear friends, this morning in the meeting, may we never lose the wonder of the one who shed his blood. He gave all that he had for you and for me. Would you give your blood for me? All of it? Did you wouldn't? But he did. When did he do it? But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Shed blood. Shed blood. I love that old hymn that says, Precious, precious blood of Jesus, shed on Calvary, 
shed for rebels, shed for sinners. Thank God it was shed for you and me. The precious, precious blood of Christ. I'll tell you one more thing about the precious blood. Not only is it special blood, not only is it sinless blood, not only was it shed blood, but it was satisfying blood. I tell you, every time a man sinned in the Old Testament, he had to come with a lamb again. Every year in the Day of Atonement, it had to be repeated over and over again. But I'll tell you the day that the Savior shed his blood, once was enough. Once was enough. It says that he entered into the holiest of holies with his own precious blood, having obtained eternal redemption for us. When he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down just a once. Just a once. And the wrath of God was met. I tell you, you know, in the Old Testament that sin was just covered by the blood. But you see the day my Savior died for me. You see the day in Calvary whenever he was crowned with thorns, stripped naked, and he shed his blood for me. He didn't cover my sin. Thank God he took it away. How far did he take it? As far as east is from the west. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. Job says that he sews up our transgressions in the bag. Micah tells us this in Micah 7, Thou hast cast our sins into the depths of the sea. Precious. Precious blood. Never J.F. Kennedy was shot in 1963 in his open car driving through Dallas. Once he was shot, he fell onto the lap of his wife that was sitting beside him in his car. And the blood from that wound went all over her dress. Some of you may be remembered. It was that pink dress that she was wearing that day. And she nursed the wounded body of her husband. And the blood soaked into that dress. She was sped off in the car to Air Force One, flying back to Washington City. One of the flight attendants came to her en route to Washington and she asked the first lady, Madam, do you want to change your clothes? No, she says, I don't. Just as they were about to land in Washington, another steward attendant came to her and she says, Madam, do you want a new change of clothes? The TV reporters will be there, the news reporters will be there, everybody will be watching. She stood to her feet with anger, in her face and tears in her eyes and this is what she said no she says I want the world to see the blood I want them to see the blood I want the world to see what they did to my husband ah come with me just for a moment this morning gaze at the cross of Calvary and stand regal at not just a man but God who is manifest in the flesh he shed his blood for you and me. Shed for rebels. Shed for sinners. Shed for you and me. Why would we not let the world know? Why would we not tell them? It's the precious, 
precious blood. Then finally, not only do you see the purpose of the blood, the preview of the blood, the preciousness of the blood, what about the power of the blood? Thank God for the power. It was the message that Paul took into Corinth, the sin capital of Asia. It was the message that the Moravians preached as they blazed the trail across the world as young missionaries. It was the message that Wesley turned England back to God with. It was the message that W.P. Nicholson seen as thousands saved. The blood, the precious blood. Don't we love that old chorus? There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. I'll tell you some things as we close about the power of the blood. It says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And you know what that word redemption means. That's a word from a slave market. You'll see a slave in a colony and they'll be in the market and they're chained and there's a price upon their head and some man will go down into the slave market and what he'll do is he'll buy the slave but it doesn't just mean that. He buys the slave and he brings him out and then you know what he does. He sets him free. I tell you this morning, dear child of God in the meeting, what a privilege it is to be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb the day that he bought us back the day that he brought us out and the day that he set us free, how did he do it? It was the blood, the precious, precious blood. You know, the redemption deals with the chains of sin. You can take me to any man in Ireland and indeed the world hooked with an addiction. I tell you, there's not a chain that the blood of Christ can't set him free from. It deals with the chains of sin. Working with a young man down in Makarah this last few weeks. Standing at his door in his house the other day. The house is just a mess. He turned to me and he said, Stephen, can the blood of Christ change me? You know what I said? I says, Benny, it can. It can. How do you know? He says, For it says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. I'm glad I'm forgiven. I'm glad that I'm on my way home. I'm glad that I'm set free and brought out and I'm bought back all because of the blood. Are you saved this morning? Are you glad you're saved? Are you glad that you're brought out? Are you glad that you're bought back? Are you glad that you're set free? Don't we sing it? Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed by His infinite mercy. Oh, His child. Forever I am. I tell you, there's some power in that, isn't there? He can take the drug addict and he can set him free. He can take the prostitute and set her free. He can take a criminal McGilligan and set him free. All because of the blood. The blood. There's not another message in the world like this. Not only is the blood of Christ the power to redeem, that deals with our chains. The blood of Christ is the power to cleanse. That deals with our stains. It says in 1 1 John 1 and 7, that it's the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that cleanses us. Wait for it now from all of our sin. All of it. Have you ever been dirty? Have you ever been defiled? Well, I'll tell you, dear friends, this morning, there's not a sin that the blood of Christ can't cleanse from. It doesn't matter who he is. It doesn't matter how far he's gone into the truck of iniquity. 
doesn't matter how long he's been there. doesn't matter how big a sinner or how greatly they've been defiled. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all of our sin. I'm glad that I'm not only am I saved and redeemed, I'm glad that I'm clean this morning. Glad that I'm clean. That was a message whenever Luther was sitting in this room one night. You remember how he had that dream or vision or whatever it was of the devil that came. And he came into the room in Luther's room and he began to stand behind him and he began to read out every sin that Luther had ever done. Every lie, every lust, every bit of envy, every time he blasphemed, every time he gossiped, every time he spoke a word of lies. And every, every minute Luther listened to, he got more depressed. And the verse shot into his head. And he turned around to the devil and he says, you're right, every single single one of those things I have done, but there's one thing that you have forgot. What is it the devil said? You know what he said? The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses me from all of my sin. Hallelujah. I tell you, dear friend, the devil didn't stay about that day. Did he didn't? He cleanses. How, How does he cleanse us? Whiter than the snow. Wash me in the blood of the Lamb. And I shall be whiter than the snow. Ah, not only has the blood of Christ the power to redeem us, that deals with our chains. Not only has the blood of Christ the power to cleanse us, that deals with our stains. But the blood of Christ is the power to justify us. That deals with the claims. It says there in Romans 5 and 9, that being now justified by his blood, we have peace with God. I don't know if you know what that word justification means. Some men tell us, and rightly so, it's just as if you'd never sinned, but it's more than that. It's more than that. It's a word that's used in a court of law. It means to be declared completely righteous in the eyes of God. You know what that means? That the past record has been destroyed. You see a day a man or woman's born again, you know what? A little baby hasn't got, hasn't got a past. I'm glad I don't have a past because of the blood. All because of the blood. Warren Wavesbury tells a story in his wee book, Key Words of the Bible, about a man that bought a Rolls Royce car and he went over to the continent to go on holiday. He was over for a few weeks and the car broke down. And he rang back to Rolls Royce and they sent a mechanic over and he fixed the car and went back. And the man went on on his holiday, went on on his tour. Whenever he got back to England, he sent a letter to the factory in Rolls-Royce and he says, how much do I owe you? How much is the bill? He got a letter back the next day with a first-class stamp. He says, sit on it, sir. We have no record in our files of ever having a problem with one of our cars. You know what happened? Took away the record. I tell you, friends, this morning, it's a mighty thing to be saved whenever God, by the precious blood, takes away the record. Takes away the record. Are you discouraged this morning? Have you led the Lord down this morning? Have you had a bad week? Has the devil been near? Listen to it. I tell you, it's the blood that cleanses us from all of our sin. There's another thing the power of the blood can do. And it says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13, that ye who were sometimes far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. But man can come into that covenant relationship with God. The men and women can come and commune with the creator of the world. 
and they can bask in his presence and linger before him. Tell him every concern, every worry, every bit of anxiety. They can draw near by the blood, the precious blood. I tell you that's mighty. You can come whenever you want. You can stay for however you lo- whatever length of time you want. You can come into the presence of God all because of the blood. It's not according to how many verses you read. It's not according to how much how, how many gospel tracts you give out. It's all because of the blood. The precious Precious blood. There's one more thing and I'm going to close. Not only does the blood of Christ is the power to deal with redemption, that's the chains of sin. Not only does it cleanse us, that deals with the stains of sin. Not only does it justify us, that deals with the claims of sin. But you'll find a lovely verse. It's the last reference to the blood of Christ in the Bible. It's in Revelation 12 and 11. It says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. You know what that deals with? That deals with the conflict of sin. Every single one of us in this meeting have a besetting sin. For so much temper. For so much lust. For so much gossip. There's a million of them. But every single one of us have it. We've all got a besetting sin. But I tell you, dear friend, in the meeting this morning, you can have victory over that besetting sin. Because of the precious, precious blood. Let me read it to you again. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. All I can say as I close this meeting this morning is thank God for the precious, precious blood of Christ. There's a week hymn I've been trying to memorize it during the week. It says the blood is always precious being is precious now to me, I tell you, is it precious to you this morning? The day whenever the Savior, the Son of God, shed his precious blood for you and for me. Let us pray. Father, we just bow again at the end of the meeting and we just thank thee for the precious blood. We thank thee for the day that your son went to Calvary. It says in your word that he set his face as a flint and from the track he turned not back. And there between those two malefactors on that day, on the place which is called Calvary, he shed his precious, precious blood for every single one of us in this meeting this morning. And we could be able to stand and sing like that woman did in Chicago some number of years ago. Thank God there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood. 
They lose all their guilty stains. Lord, those of us that are saved this morning, we're glad that we're saved. We're glad that we've been bought back. We're glad that we've been brought out. And we're glad that we've been set free, all because of the precious, precious blood. We're glad that the blood deals with our chains. We're glad that the blood deals with the stains. We're glad that the blood deals with the claims. And we're glad that it deals with the conflict that we can overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And so, Lord, we thank thee for the goodness of God to us. We thank you for the day whenever you saved us. We pray if there's one in our meeting this morning that's not saved, we pray that they'll come to that fountain this morning and they'll have their sins washed away, their chains removed, and they'll have a song in their mouth, even praise unto our God. We're glad that we're saved. We're glad that we're on our way home. And so we ask that you'll bless us, bless those that must go. And Lord, as we gather around the table to remember the precious blood, we think of what the Savior said there to his disciples that night. Before he went over the brook, he said, This is my blood that was shed for you. And Father, as we remember him, we ask the other meditation of him will be sweet. We ask it in the Savior's name. Amen.